0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Love Is Your Medicine Podcast. My name is Mitch Wright. Hope you had a great weekend. We are at episode 13. We're just moving right along, aren't we? So this week, as most times I um, discussed topic choices with my beautiful, lovely, better half, my bride, Michelle. And we both kind of reached this conclusion. What have I talked about Uh, coping mechanisms? We can all have different coping mechanisms that we use or that we go to when we feel uh, backed into a corner or when we're depressed, or when we're going through something distressful or just, you know, hectic. We can have more than one coping mechanism. So that's what we're going to talk about in episode 13 of Love is Your Medicine podcast. What is your coping mechanism? Let's get into it. Welcome to episode 13. Like I said uh, in the intro, I hope you had a great weekend. You do anything fun? Um, We mainly uh, just relaxed. Got a lot done around the house. Um, Michelle and I did a lot for our Uh, the the marketing that we do for one of our businesses. So it was a a nice, relaxing, productive weekend, you know, just spending time with the family. So I hope that you had a great weekend, um, that you were able to do whatever it was that you wanted to do, that you were able to relax, get refocused. And here we are. On another Monday, can't believe it is, uh, February 19th already seemed like this month is flying by. So hope you're staying on track, staying focused, reaching your goals. Don't give up, keep at it. So yeah, like I said in the intro, I thought I'd talk, talk about, uh, coping mechanisms this week on episode 13. You know, a coping mechanism is something that we can fall back on and it can be um, a bad habit or just choices that we make uh, that kind of take us away from reality. I mean, basically, that's what it is. Um, Excuse me, and I should add. Taking most of them involves taking us away from reality temporarily. You know, let me throw that in there. And. Like always, I'm just talking from my own experiences. I mean, you know, that's what. Part of my podcast is about is me opening up, being vulnerable, uh, just sharing with you my personal experiences. Because if I could touch someone out there uh, that's going through what I went through and what I'm going through, then, you know, that's what my show is all about just trying to reach people that maybe you know are experiencing things that I've experienced some of the things I talk about it's just going to be open honest and raw um you know Michelle is very understanding she she feels it's good for me to to do this podcast so I can um You know, she says she could tell it's therapeutic for me that, you know, it it does me some good mentally and emotionally to share. So, yeah, I've had coping mechanisms Um, growing up. I would say, of course, the main one for me would be food. Uh, It was a way for me to get away to escape. Uh, And I mean, like, just just be honest. If you're eating, especially wrong things, it's just, uh, you know, it's comfort food. That's what I call it, comfort food. The feeling that you get, the emotions that you get. So whether it was the, you know, salty or the sweet, that's what I indulged in. And, you know, being older looking back <clears throat> i would say uh you know it, it took me away from reality the, the stress of the day if i had a bad day at school or you know being picked on stress you know from uh my homework or an upcoming test or something like that yeah that was my go to the the food so you know like I said in earlier episodes I was the chubby kid the overweight kid and that had a lot to do with it my eating choices now I will say this I was especially when I was younger and in Chicago and in Houston uh, so elementary school junior high school I ate, you know, and, and had bad choices with the snacks and the sweets and so forth. But I was like very active, you know. That's back in the days before video games got popular. So me and my friends, we were always riding bikes and um, you know playing softball in the street, or we're playing football in the street, basketball. So we stayed busy, we stayed active. But still, you know, looking back as an adult. I turned to uh, food as a coping mechanism. And the older I got and, you know, the older I would get and health comes into question in my life as any adult. You know, you go into the doctor and they're doing lab work, you know, that comes up, the, the food part of it. So that was one coping mechanism that I had Um, Now, as an adult. I would say alcohol uh, became a coping mechanism and. I wouldn't say that I was. uh, You know, like when you hear the word alcoholic, you think of someone that just abuses liquor, they need it. To just do life uh, to cope I wouldn't say I was like that but I would definitely use it to kind of escape reality whether it was things I was going through at work or things I was going through uh, in my first marriage or uh, just self inflicted pain that I was trying to escape from I would definitely say that was a second coping mechanism uh, was the alcohol. Um, like I guess I wasn't, I didn't abuse it like bad, but yeah, I had, I would drink wine. It was one period um, in my life when I would do like a bottle of wine every evening. Um, and that was a point in my life and especially like talking with my family, they even noticed, um, you know, how much wine I was consuming, but that was a part of my life, which I'll touch on a little later. That was a part of my life that I was really, really trying to figure out and pinpoint what my issue was. So like not making excuses, but that's what I was going through with that part. And so now, you know, things have changed and I'll get into it because health had a lot to do with it. But with my drinking habits, a lot has changed. Um, with what I drink and how much I drink, how often I drink. So now when I drink it's more casual, um, I'm not trying to escape anything. So I may have have a beer here and there. Um, Sometimes I'm in a mood for whiskey, so I'll buy a small bottle of, you know, whiskey that I like or bourbon. So it just depends on my mood, but I definitely don't have to consume it every evening like I did in that one patch of my life when I was trying to escape something else. Uh, So those are pretty kind of like common I would say food and alcohol coping mechanisms, like, so do that. Does that resonate with you? Um, Either one of those, you know, we have to think about, um, what we're doing daily. And as I found out, you really, really have to be cognizant of it because man, your family is watching. And you know, I felt, you know, I felt bad. Honestly, there's no way to, you know, best describe it. When you know, I'm talking to my our daughter, and she was she remembers that time period of you know when I was drinking so much wine, and I've told her it was just a bad. Period in my life. Uh, And, you know, we had three of us, uh, myself and our daughter and Michelle, we had a serious talk and, you know, we just talked about it. I explained to her what I was going through and I admitted that, yeah, that was one of the choices I made that was not right. Um, Especially consuming. So much alcohol around the kids, and I'm the type. It when I drink alcohol, it relaxes me. So I wasn't, uh, you know, an angry drinker. I wasn't uh, mean or anything, but yeah, just either very relaxed or very asleep on the sofa. So, like I said, now alcohol is very much under control, and I'm very aware of, you know, when I'm drinking around the family or who I'm drinking around, especially if I know maybe I have a friend or an associate where I know that that's something they're abstaining from or working on is, you know, alcohol consumption. I'll go without, you know, it's Now it's totally different. My mindset is totally different when it comes to that. And so a huge reason that I had to fix those two coping mechanisms, food and alcohol, is because um, I think it was about 2009, I would say. And so, our daughter is about one and a half, going on two, and I started going to the doctor because Michelle was very good about getting me to go to the doctor and the dentist and just taking care of myself, which I hadn't done in years. And so, I mean, that's a huge part of loving ourselves, you know, many times we think about the mental and the emotional but you know by all means take care of yourself physically that is a huge way that we show that we love ourselves and that we care for ourselves that we respect ourselves you know you stay healthy and even your self worth goes up so I had this you know I started seeing a doctor, and we had a. After we did, he did the lab work and got the results. He wanted me to come in to talk with him, and it was a very straightforward, honest conversation. And that's what I value from anyone—friends, uh, coworkers, relatives, family. Like just be straight up with me and talk to me honestly. And so I did appreciate that about uh, this doctor, very honest and open. And he started off by asking me, did I want to see our daughter graduate one day? Keep in mind, she's just like, you know, a year and a half. Do you want to see your daughter graduate one day? And I said, of course. And he said, I'm going to be honest with you. If you continue this lifestyle that you're in uh, health wise, I doubt you'll be able to even see her graduate. And that was eye opening for me. That kind of like, it was a jolt to my system hearing that, hearing those words because, you know, nobody want to think that our time is limited, right? so yeah he went through some numbers with me and you know my blood pressure just high Um, the a1c checking your blood sugar just like uh, it was 14 point something you know that gives you an idea of how unhealthy i was my weight I think at that time I was I was either it, it was my heaviest point in my life. I was uh, about three fifty 350, three fifty five easy so you know that was my top weight in my life. And I'm not tall I'm like five eight you know so very very unhealthy and I just didn't take care of myself and, and you know as as I would start my physical and mental and emotional journey to wellness you know I was starting to figure out how all of this was tied in to each other you know things that I had gone through when I was young and just keeping them bottled up and suppressed and the ways that I would act out. I did things that made me feel good. But keep in mind, I said you know they're temporary. They aren't permanent fixes. So you know you eat the food and you get that that rush. It's gone, you know. Soon it's gone. I drink the, the alcohol or the wine and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relaxed. I'm feeling carefree. But guess what, you know, you, you wake up the next morning back to reality. So it was just a vicious cycle. And, you know, I wasn't getting any exercise. I wasn't um, eating right. So much alcohol, blood pressure just off the charts blood sugar off the charts high cholesterol I forgot about that one and a lot of these things are uh, y- you know as we call them in the, the African American uh, in our culture they're silent killers and they're overlooked by a lot of African Americans and so I was on a, the path of becoming another statistic you know why? Because these were two of my coping mechanisms that I fell back on constantly. And, you know, in a moment, I know why I'm doing it, why I'm eating the way I did it, why I drank the way I did it, because it's temporary. Um, I call them band-aids. You're just kind of patching over the reality of things. Or was really at the root of the the pain that you're going through. So, you know, if you're going through that, I get it, I understand. Uh, We use these coping mechanisms as band-aids to just kind of gloss over what's really going on deep within us. And so when the doctor told me that, you know, I had a a long talk with Michelle and we just agreed we would both do things to um you know better our health better our lifestyles and we weren't talking about some you know doing fad diets or uh just something very very drastic like I told everyone you know because that's the first thing people say when you tell them you know changes you're going to make oh you're going on a diet and I would always tell people I don't want to call it that because of. You know, in the past, when I heard that word, I shut down. Mentally, I'm out. So, you know, I told Michelle and I would tell others. I consider this a lifestyle change. I needed a lifestyle change, not just some uh, fad or some, you know, quick two or three week diet that I would get tired of and stop. I needed a lifestyle reboot. And so, yeah, we, you know, gradually started improving things. Uh, I was very mindful of what I would eat and drink. Am I saying that I just became this like perfect example of a healthy lifestyle? No, but it was a gradual thing. And like in my other episodes, what do I always say? When you have these goals, you take it day by day. And you do small things consistently, and they eventually lead to um, you reaching your mid-level goals and then your long-term goals. Just small, consistent steps daily, you know. So that that's what we did. And I'm I'm doing this, but still, there's something, you know, that I knew that I felt just wasn't. Quite right. And I was going through things that I went through in my first marriage and a little bit in my second marriage where, I, you know, I just, I'm trying to pinpoint what was wrong. So, like I said in episode three, I did therapy. Um, and that doctor, she was, she was great at helping me get to like the root of my problem. What was going on. And so, speaking of coping mechanisms, you know, like I said in the beginning, there are various, numerous coping mechanisms. You know, some people is with the food and the overeating, some is with uh, alcohol abuse, others uh, is, you know, drug abuse. And talking, um, Like, you know, hard drugs, the illegal drugs that people abuse, you know, sadly. And it's, you know, such an epidemic, especially like in the city we live in. It's, you know, the drug abuse is horrible. You even see them out on the streets getting high in some parts of town that you drive through. You know, so drugs is another coping mechanism for some others is sex you know that can be a coping mechanism Um, whatever coping mechanism that you have you know you have to be honest with yourself and get to the root of what is causing you to have that or to fall back on that easier said than done. Right. A lot of times, excuse me. A lot of times we don't want to like peel back the top on that because we, you know, for some it's embarrassing for others. It's too much pain related to something that may be causing you to go to that coping mechanism. So like for myself, uh, and I touched on it in earlier episodes. Episode three was one of them. But for myself, what had happened to me at a very young age from a relative of someone I love and trusted made me react in certain ways. And sadly, one of those uh, coping mechanisms was the way I treated people. Um, you know, and I said it before, I had this attitude that I was going, I was going to get you before you got me. If I felt like someone was going to hurt me, then I would usually do something to get at them first. And, you know, that was part of the coping mechanism uh, that I'm referring to. Um, you know, part of that is I had to be in control a lot of things were on my terms and that's something that the the therapist she really really she was baffled by that because the way I was acting out in her words she said there was no rhyme or reason to the actions that I was taking she had seen other people struggling with what I was struggling with but it was usually no stopping with them she said That was their pattern and they sought out whoever they could, however they could. She said, with me, however, it was like I wasn't like that. I would pick and choose um, those that I wanted to hurt. And that's. You know, that's the word eventually, because when I'm, when I say I, if I felt like I was going to get hurt, I get them first Then, you know, I would control and manipulate the relationship. And if I felt like I was going to get hurt, I would just drop the person. Like no explanation, no reason. I would just stop talking, block them, do whatever. You know, and like, was it a good way to live? No. And, you know, as I reflect on it now, you know, it was horrible because I'm establishing these like emotional relationships. Did I mean things that I was saying to them? Not at all. No. And, you know, you you get to a certain point and I would just like disappear, Uh, do a Houdini act on them and just drop out of their life. And so that's what my therapist was trying to like help me figure out why I was like that why I was taking some of the actions I was taking. And pretty much it was, you know, the way she explained it to me. And this is after like a couple of months of weekly therapy sessions. You know, and she told me, um, quite frankly, she felt like it was me reacting To what had happened to me in the past. I had to be in control. Of situations. In my life. And I had to dictate. What happened. And just from talking with me. She could tell that those who I really didn't like. Or didn't trust. Were the ones that I really really. Sought out to hurt. You know by however whatever means that I used with them. And so yeah, I you know, I, I'm open on this, but I'm gonna I'll always pick and choose the words I use or the words I say. You know, because I do have a family. I do have children, so I wanna respect everyone and you know I even want to respect my listeners. So I'll always be open with you, but you know, I'm, I'm going to pick and choose the way I say things, but yeah, my therapist, she really, like I said, it baffled her, but the more we peel back, you know, they says like <clears throat> peeling back those layers of an onion, you know, when you're cooking and that's how it was with my therapy. I had this big wall around me at first because, you know, that was part of my protection too. I had this wall where I was very closed, didn't want to share much. So it took her a lot to, you know, peel back to get to this point with me. But yeah, that was my coping mechanism. Um, had no business, you know, doing Some of the things I was doing or talking to some of the people I was talking to had no business doing it, but I would. And again, it wasn't my intention to. Have anything um, substantial with them, that's a good word. It was my way of like in my head, and this is what she was telling me, getting back at the person that hurt me when I was very young at first when she told me all this, I I didn't really want to, you know, I didn't believe it. I didn't want to hear that. Um, I didn't want, I don't like to think that someone has a control over me, over my mind. So, you know, I was kind of mad when she told me that at first, but the more I listened, And the more I reflected, I understood exactly what she was saying. And I would just go back to different points in my life and really just think about, you know, how I had treated some people, what I had done, what I had said, how I would just drop people. And yeah, sadly, that was a huge coping mechanism. It, she said, it's like, it gives you a rush you know, especially if I'm like uh, talking with someone or flirting with someone. She says, I'm pretty sure it gives you a rush. It takes you away from reality. And then when you're done, you just drop them. And when she said that, when she used those words and when she phrased it like that, that's when I was like, okay, like, She knows what she's talking about. And I, you know, I respected her for that because it's like she literally crawled in my head and saw what I was trying to keep quiet. And she told me, you know, what I was doing. So, yeah, for me, that was a huge coping mechanism. It was like a rush, you know, to, to have that power somewhat to where I could control their emotions, what they thought, how they felt, you know, about me. And then, you know, that part of it was a rush. And then to coldly drop them and just disappear. That was the other part of the rush. And like I said, I didn't realize it was quite this bad or I was this horrible until I had someone like my therapist explain it to me. Now looking back, I'm like, you know, that was just horrible. It it was bad. I don't, you know, especially the way I was raised and you know, I was taught better. I you know, I shouldn't have lived like that, so I do not use uh what happened to me when I was young as an excuse. You know, I'm not I'm not ever gonna use that as an excuse. You know, I I knew better and yeah, thinking back, it doesn't make me proud of who I was. It had a lot to do with my self respect and my self worth and my self love. You know, because it's like this huge vicious cycle, just like it is with alcohol or drugs. You're low, and then you spike yourself by whatever you're doing, whatever your coping mechanism is, you get this spike. Then you level out and then you get low and you repeat. And so, you know, that's what I was doing. I was thinking too many negative thoughts about uh, the past and how I wasn't going to let others um, control me or influence me ever again. That was my mindset. But then, You know, as I'm going through that cycle and you get to the low, I would reflect. I would have a bad conscience about things I was doing. You know, of course, you know, I'm sure you might be the same way. Whatever you're doing that you may not be so proud of or a coping mechanism that you're turning to. You know, when you when you're in that low period, you have time to think and reflect because you get back to reality. And so I didn't like myself. I didn't like what I saw. So you know how how do you think that affects your self worth and your self love? It was very low. That's why when I met Michelle, you know she could she said she could tell right away that you know it was things and qualities about me that she admired. But she also could feel that I had deep pain. um, That I was at a very low point in my life. That I had very low self-esteem. And when she told me that, I I told her, yeah, you know, all of what you just said was, was very true. You know, I was going through that cycle so much of the low, the spike a level back to the low that I was mentally and emotionally I was just worn down and so yeah when she met me I was at a very low point in my life but like you know as I also said though it it takes honesty for you to admit um what's wrong with you or where you're suffering, where that pain or suffering is coming from. You know, it takes honesty and a lot of self reflection with yourself. And once I you know, talked to the therapist after I you know, Michelle and I spent hours, many late nights just talking. Just honest conversation. Um, She got to learn so much about me because I was finally opening up. I kept a lot of stuff quiet, but I was finally opening up with her. She understood me more. And she would always tell me, I don't want to know these things to hurt you or use it against you. I want to know these so I can get to know my husband more so I can know how I can help my husband. And so that, too, helped me to uh, keep lowering my walls of defense. So, you know, keep that in mind, too. If you're trying to help someone uh, who's going through something, uh, who's trying to fix themselves they're on this self-development, self-improvement journey, you know, be a a true confidant, be a true friend for those in need. You know, assure them why you're helping them, you know, why you want to help, why you want to listen, because we need that uh, reassurance so that we can feel comfortable. So And when Michelle assured me that she wanted to help me, that she loved me, you know, I opened up more. I let those walls down. And like I said, she got to really, really know me, what I was thinking, why I was acting the way I was with a lot of things. Um, You know, she always told me the actions that I did that weren't the best. My behavior, um, she knew that it wasn't who I was as a person. Like she wasn't going to let those low points in my life, those actions define who I was in her mind. Like she knew who I was deep down. And so that really, really, you know, it helped me, uh, It helped me to want to do my best on my self-improvement journey Uh, because, like I said, it took years for me to get to the point I am now at at such a good place uh, mentally and emotionally. It took years uh, of work. And so, you know, that's what I urge you to do is be honest with yourself, figure out. What's causing you to go to whatever coping mechanism you're using? You know, get to the root cause of it. Once you figure out, you know, what the cause is, you know, you have to think of ways um, to do better, to work opposite of what you're doing. You have to figure out more healthy ways to get that uh that rush that you need you know so for me i focused a lot on my faith i got busy doing things uh for the religion i mean a big part of that was is is like the things i do is serving other people you know i took the focus off myself And I began to do everything I could to help others, to focus on others and helping others. And that helped me a lot. Uh, Another thing I did was uh, I try to do a lot of uh, self-development. You may notice, like, well, if you're on my social media, uh, some of it, I do a lot of uh, mindset and, and motivation talk. So that's a huge part of what I do to help myself too is, um, you know, my, my Instagram account, I try to be positive and I try to have this like daily motivation topic that I talk about to help others. And it helps me too. like, to, uh, verbalize what I'm thinking in my head and to share it with others. It helps me. So, you know, I I focus on that. I put a lot of uh, focus on like running our businesses uh, that Michelle and I have and the business that I have. I put that energy uh, and and get that rush from doing good and having a good um, image of myself and self-worth. You know, those are the rushes that I need now that's what lifts me up doing things for others focusing on my family focusing on my marriage focusing on business you know it's all a balancing life is just this big balancing act and so that's what I use now instead of abusing food Instead of abusing alcohol, instead of abusing others uh, emotionally, you know, I get my rushes and highs from positive things. And so that's what I urge you to do. Uh, You know, you have to flip the coping mechanisms into positive things in your life and so that too takes self reflection you know what are you passionate about what can you do to take the focus off of yourself for a while and help others to nurture others and you'd be surprised how big of a help that is when you turn to others And do what you can for others unselfishly. Even if you're not going to get something in return. Or if you're going to get rewarded. uh, You know, for it. Doing things for other people, positive things. It will make you feel great. Trust me. So, you know, I. This episode, you know, are for the it's for those that may be going through the the coping mechanism roller coaster. That's how I refer to it with myself. You know, do you feel bad? Yes. Are you stuck in a cycle? You know, are you stuck there forever? Only if you want to be. But like with anything worthwhile in life, it takes effort and not just that kind of uh, effort that some people have around new year, you know, those new year resolutions, you're all gung ho for two or three weeks and then you fizzle out. No, when you're on your self-improvement, self-development journey, remember you're in it for the long haul. You know, so, you know, may you, you know, might you be a little embarrassed? Sure. But don't beat yourself up. Don't stay down on yourself. Uh, Negativity is a huge fuel to inactivity. Remember that negativity fuels inactivity. So if you want to keep moving forward, uh, keep building yourself up, keep working on yourself, then you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep doing positive things, you know, positive things in your life, positive things for other people. You can only go so far with uh, coping mechanisms. And let's face it, you know, a lot of them are harmful especially like long term. You're harming yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. So, you know, I'm here for you. I, I feel your pain. Going through it. I've went through it. There's no quick, quick cure for it. But like I said, I am here to tell you that you can get through that lifestyle of coping mechanisms. It's going to take effort. It's going to take work, but that's what we do here. Love is your medicine podcast. You know, if you uh, rock with me the first 12 episodes, uh, that's what I'm always saying. We take it day by day. So don't ever Feel unworthy. Don't ever feel like you can't do it. That you might as well quit. You know, that's not what we're about here. Uh, Love is your medicine podcast. It's about positivity. It's about long longevity. Longevity. That's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) We are about longevity here. At uh, love is your medicine podcast nothing worthwhile was ever easy I know you've heard that before you're worthwhile you are worth it so if you want to be the best that you can be it's going to take work it's going to take effort but remember that you're worth it you have to love yourself you have to believe in yourself Not an easy journey, but it is a possible journey. And I'm here to tell you. So, you know, as as I always say in each episode, if you want to reach out to me, if you have questions, send me an email, Mitch at com, And I'll also put it in the uh, episode description, but yeah, I'm here for you. You know, you aren't alone at all by any means. Reach out to me on social media. I am on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Um, Love is your medicine podcast. Uh, you can listen by a lot of different ways, numerous ways to listen to my podcast. If you just go to um loveisyourmedicinepodcast.com you can just choose um, your listening preference subscribe to me uh, so you're alerted for every new episode but you know I appreciate you being here and listening to me I am just still amazed and humbled um by the different areas that keep popping up um, that people are listening to my podcast. You know, I have a listeners in Toronto, various uh, cities across the United States. I just uh, picked up some listeners in Orlando, um, another city, not too far from Orlando, Omaha, New York. uh, Yeah, so West Coast, East Coast. Midwest. I'm picking up listeners each week. I appreciate you. Uh, I have. Some listeners even in Africa. I have some listeners in the UK. I have listeners in Belgium. Listeners in Germany. Like I said, I am baffled, I am humbled, but I am appreciative that, you know, there are people out there that appreciate the message that I am putting out. And that message is to love yourself, respect yourself, deem yourself worthy, uh, to be the best version of yourself that you can be day in and day out. Take little steps consistently to be your best So I wish you a good day and I wish you a good week. I appreciate you. Can't wait to uh, my next episode. Stay tuned. It may be another interview. My interview got a lot of downloads and listens. So that's episode 12. Episode 14 may be another interview in the works. So stay tuned for that. Have a great week. Go and do great things.